change They want me to change But I ain't changing Nah and you are now tuned into another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio brought to you by M3S3 Clothing. Men make moves and suckers stand still. And as always on the mighty, mighty, mighty Nerve DJs Radio Network, y'all already know, man, I only rock with legends around here. And today is absolutely no exception. It's Monday. Y'all know I never do a show on Monday, but we got my guy, Nick Lavelle, the super, super, super R&B king slash businessman slash hell of a father slash Detroit representative. What up, though, bro? How you doing, man? Man, what's going on, baby? I love that intro. <laughs> like that. What up, though? What up, though, man? What's going on? How's the family? Everybody's good, man. We getting through it, you know, taking everything day by day. Um, wife be good. She's, she's doing really good blossoming in, um, in the hair industry kids uh my son he starts baseball tomorrow my youngest son starts baseball training i'm actually like an assistant coach so i gotta balance that and then my um the other kids you know they, they moving around making moves and everybody's just doing their thing best thing about being a father oh there's so many great things i don't even know i can't even say it's the best thing but being able to to the, to the most like um to a certain extent being able to control the trajectory and narrative of what you want your children to um see about you at the end of the day you know you know we we can you know we're not here every day we're not here forever so you want to instill as much into them as possible to just give them an opportunity to be able to to see how life really is and um, i like being transparent with my children i think um one of the greatest things that i do love about being a father is it teaches me a lot about life um discipline and just responsibilities it, it holds me back from making certain decisions because I always have to think about them. Oh, man, nigga. That's one of the biggest things. Who nigga be wanting to crash out something wicked and then you're like, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what high school you go to? I went to uh, three high schools. So uh, my first high school was Detroit Renaissance. I was there for two and a half years. My mom and my stepdad got divorced. She had moved to Dearborn um, and... We was in Dearborn for two years. Well, I, was, I only had a year and a half left school, so I went to Dearborn for a year. Um, but in the midst of that, I had went to uh, I had moved to Nashville for like half a year to live with my dad, um, my biological father who lived in Nashville. So I went to Antioch High School out there, and then I ended up graduating from Dearborn High in um, Dearborn, Michigan. Yo, that, matter of fact, one of my daughters graduated from Renaissance. Wow, what year did she come up? Oh, jeez, come on. She she's thirty, so uh, she, she, she don't. Oh, she uh, probably she's thirty. Yeah, when she be thirty one? This year. She might. I ain't gonna say she might know who I am, but if she if she was there, if she graduated, she had to have graduated two thousand eleven, either eleven, twelve, or ten. Now more. She either graduated two thousand eleven or or twelve. If so, then I probably wouldn't know her because I was there. Um, in 2005, I was in 2006, in 2007, in 2000, yeah, six and seven. Okay. So between 2005 and 2007 was the years I was in Renaissance. So she would have been there in 2009 and 10 is when she would have came into school. 
But I was I'm gonna take your word for it because <laughs> I, 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 I know I'll be on the math stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. I, hey, I, after they got a certain point, I start with I, yeah, you know, it's all about the grandbabies now. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I feel it. Yeah, that's how my mom do me the same way. <laughs> okay, so at what point did you did you realize? Okay, you know what? I can kind of sing here. Um, I always been able to hold a little tune. Even in middle school, I did little talent shows. Elementary, I did talent shows. Just trying it out. I actually was a rapper at first. I've been doing rapping majority of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got to college, I started exploring just the R and B side just dealing with different, um, you know, engineers and producers and just figuring out different things I can try to apply when it comes to the music. Um, I remember recording with this, uh, this guy named D-Nice and uh, B-Louie. They were uh, two of the top rappers at our college, and they were recording out of a dorm. And they recorded a few songs with me, and um, I liked them. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't high quality, but shit. Back then, it was good for what it was. And then um, my other homie, a couple years later, this guy named Sturro, you know, he's a, a a rapper as well. He was recording with this guy named Charles Hines. And me and Charles are really great friends to this day. And he, they, these people are part of my story because they are the people that are, they were there in the beginning. Like, Move your camera up a little bit, bro. All right, sorry. They, they're the ones that was there for, um, like, the beginning of just the overall career of me doing music and, and the people that I absolutely have started doing music with. So that was... um. You know, once I linked with them people, I started taking it a little serious and doing it. The moment where I realized that music, not singing, just music was for me, mm-hmm. is when I won that contest in Baltimore. I always tell people about that story. So that was when I was like, oh, damn, all right, I got to take this music serious now. Okay, how the fuck you end up in Baltimore? Dude, let me tell you. What separates me from everybody else is the relentless grind, all right? Nobody can out-hustle me. They can't outwork me. They're not willing to take the, the same streams and measures that I'm that I'm willing to take. I drove to Baltimore in the middle of a blizzard in a Charger. <laughs> you already know Chargers, they got them, them ain't from Yeah, bro, the you was on a death mission. But go, go ahead, I, bro. The, the way I look at life, and back then, I was, a, I was very, very, um, I was a highly risk taker. Um, but somebody that I had met in Atlanta, when I first moved there, um, it was my first stint in Atlanta. I was there for six, seven months. I moved back to Detroit. And this guy, he kept sending me. He wanted to manage me, but I don't know. I was just a little weary. But he always sent me events and sent me little stuff. No matter where it was, if he felt like it was a good situation, he'll tell me, hey, look into this. Mm-hmm. He sent me a contest flyer about artists all over the DMV. Uh, it's a $1,000 cash prize for the winner. And it's only $100 to enter. And you get a radio interview and you get some spins of your song or it was all type of little incentives. Okay. So I'm like a hundred dollars. Shit, I'll do that. It's a hundred dollar <laughs> entry. And at the time I was living in Detroit. So Baltimore was only seven and a half hours away. So, and I've always been a traveling individual. Like I, I, I live in Nashville, I live in Atlanta and I used to drive back and forth between that and Detroit almost two or three times a month, you know? So mm-hmm. it was, it was cool for me and at that time i didn't fly as much I, I honestly i just didn't have the money i couldn't afford it you know so that was my whole issue so make a long story short went to baltimore me and three of my friends we went out there and i did a contest i got to the place it was in norma jeans anybody know about norma jeans in baltimore they'll tell you that joint that, that was the spot you know, a little hole in the wall strip club 
beautiful women thick and, and whatnot. We get in there. I'm getting. I sign up on the sign up sheet. They let me know. Are you going? They gonna let me know when I get ready to perform. So I ends up, you know, running into a chick. She like y'all didn't drove all the way from Detroit for this. She said this is my people shit. Like this is real. Like I'm like I know the artist is gonna win. She says that to me. This is the first person that we talked to in this build in this building. <laughs> so I'm like, oh hell no! Like my heart soul is snatched because i don't know i'm young i'm young in the industry i don't know how none of this goes i don't know about rig shows and i don't know nothing about any of this i've, I've done like little showcases here and there but it wasn't like i don't know it was just it was terrible man it was a terrible feeling but i just said to my team i said look shit, we already here now look let's get on some hoes <laughs> let's let's network <laughs> right let's build some relationships because at the end of the day even if we don't win we gotta let people know who we is you know what I'm saying? Like, I, the way I moved back then, I was already ahead of the game because I knew presentation and how, how things needed to appear was so vital. So what I ended up doing was I ended up doing my set, going through my songs, going through the motions. I make it to the finals. Like, the last finalist, I'm talking about three. It's only three people left. So in my mind, I'm like, damn, we, okay, maybe one of these two guys is the artist. Right. So they're probably going to win. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm cool. I made it this far because a lot of people got to see me perform. So what ends up happening is they like, you know what? We're going to split the thousand between all three of y'all. We're going to give all y'all radio interviews and we're going to shoot a video for all, all y'all. Oh, that was what's up. I'm like, that's, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's it. I won. I'm cool with that because I'm. it's already a prominent thing. I also said on my way, like when I was driving there, I prayed to God. I literally prayed. Me and my team, we sat there and I said, God, please. Even if I don't win this contest, let me know if this is something I need to take serious. Because mm. I was just praying on it. I wanted to make sure that, all right, am I making the right decision pursuing music? You know, a lot of times we don't know. A lot of us just jump in this shit. Now it's easier now for a person. But back then I, I asked myself that. I said, is this really for me? And even me making it to the finalists, I knew I, all right, that, was, that, was, that was an indicator. But then this was the tricky part. This is the game changer. One of the guys said, I'm not trying to split nothing with them. I don't know them. I'm like, dude, nigga, what the fuck going on? Like, why? What's, what's going on? So he ends up causing them to say, well, look, if y'all all don't do it, we're going to have to just go to the crowd. Now, mind you, I don't, I've never been to Baltimore. I know for an absolute fact I don't have no fans here. I know that. So we go to the crowd. They they do all the yelling for people. They get to me. They erupt. Yo. I won the show. They gave me the whole thousand. Yo, your man I, had to feel stupid as fuck, too. Oh, yeah. And it's so crazy because I still know who the guy is. And I talk to the guy every every so often. You know, I talk to him. And, um, you know, we stay in contact a little bit. He's from He's from North Carolina. But I, you know what's so crazy? I ended up giving them some money. I still ended up giving the artist money because that nigga. I didn't give him none. Oh, okay, all right. I gave I'm, the other artist. I gave okay. the other artist money. I'm with you on that. I gave the other artist money because <laughs> with the other artists, they were cool with the. They was cool with splitting the money. So I gave them some. I gave them like 200, 250. I was like, that's cool. As long as I walk away with the dub. 
that's what I want. I needed that. That was validation for me. But it'd be moments like that that you talk about in your career that ultimately shapes how you become or who, who you become and what you've done. And that's why I think that was so imperative. And that was single-handedly the moment that took me, that, that gave me the, the green light to pursue it, full throttle. Okay, so I've seen clips of your show, bruh. Mm-hmm. Shit's wild. You disappeared and everything. Well, <laughs> no, let me let me do this because I don't want this to happen. I see what's going to happen. Oh yeah, when you get a call, it should it should have blackout. Yeah, do not disturb. That's what I need. Okay, I'm back. So I've seen clips of your show. Shit's wild, bro. Um, <laughs> a matter of fact, I see I see that somebody did an interview of you, uh, some some paper, um, and they said that 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 your stage presence was reminiscent of Genuine and Bobby Brown. Where did the show come from? Where, where, what accidental, or did you decide to go out and, and be a certain type of way? I ain't gonna lie. I'm being, ugh, I honestly feel like, I ain't gonna lie. I don't, I honestly don't know where it started from, to be honest with you. Now, like, that's, that's a really good question because I don't know where this, I know this. I used to be a male stripper, all right? I used to be a male exotic dancer when I, um, was uh like when i first moved to atlanta shit i i have nowhere to stay my car got repo and i was like shit i need to get to the bag so a chick that i was i ain't gonna lie i wouldn't even mess with her i just met her and she was like with your body and your look you should be out here making money these girls should be paying you like she was trying to like i felt like she was trying to pimp me i was about to say it but she didn't want nothing she didn't even want nothing it's so crazy i seen that lady one time i seen her twice I see, I met her at a park, and then we went out, maybe a week later, we went out, and we went out to eat, and then that's the same day she took me to the strip club and showed me and said, this is, you, you need to get your, you want to get your badge. She was trying to put me on game, and I ain't gonna lie, I, I, we kind of fell out of touch, but I never kicked it with her, I never even hit that much, like, I never did nothing with her, and she never hit me back, we never, and I just went on with my life and my career, and, and shit, I don't even know. If she, yeah, I don't know where she's at right now in the world, but she definitely played a major part in that. I love these stories. I love talking about this because there's so many people that play roles into why I did this and how I learned that. And I wish I can bring them all together and just give them a plaque or give them some type of credit. But yeah, dude, when I did the male stripping, that taught me crowd control on another level. If you can stand on stage and show your nuts in front of 200 women, it ain't really nothing you can do with me. I ain't nervous about shit. I'll get on stage nasty naked in front of thousands because it's like I'm already comfortable with myself. I'm cool. You know what I mean? And that, that's just what it was. So that was, you know, that was a a game changer too because it taught me how to cater to women and, and I figured out how to incorporate it in my shows. I believe... I just tried some stuff. I don't know if I was watching a video on YouTube, but I just looked at things. It's like, how can I make my shows real impactful? I used to have dancers back then, too. So I used to do the mm-hmm. dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then me and my bro just came up with ideas like, shit, finding ways. Because we, I come from the hit roll era. I come from the, the groundwork, dancing on girls in chairs. Like, that's my era. And I have no I'm a 90s baby. I don't have no shame in that. I'm not no hood, nigga. I'm not no street guy so i don't gotta play by those rules i don't care if males like oh I don't, I don't like that i don't care if you don't like that i do it for the ladies because there's a market for it there's women out here that loves that shit so i'm trying to captivate the audience 
I'm trying, like, when I tell girls who want to come on the stage, you got girls screaming. I want to come on the stage. And this happens every show. Okay, but let me, so, let me ask you this, bro. That, that, that don't cause no problems at the crib? No, nah, man. Like, 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 I got a, I, I, I got the best uh, girl, in my opinion, that I've ever had. I've dated a lot of women and dealt with a lot of scrutiny. And I, some of them was able to handle it. Some of them wasn't. And she's the best when it comes to all this. That's why if she do some shit, I'm going to be crushed. I ain't going to lie. She better not let a nigga snip that motherfucker. Or I'm clocking <laughs> out. I'm, I'm crashing out. Straight up. Because that, she's like my precious pride and joy. Pride and joy. Like, she just... I'm so... I ain't going to say I'm sensitive when it comes to her, but I am. So, but I invested so much into her that it's almost like it's almost like an obligation. I think she, it's like an underlying obligation. I think she holds because she feel like I, I have to kind of like I gotta support this. I gotta deal with it because this is what's paying our bills. This is what keeping us relevant or keeping our keeping his name afloat and putting him in doors and rooms that he probably wouldn't been able. Not necessarily saying it's the shows, but the shows are so electrifying that mm -hmm. there's they're going viral and they're they're causing. Um, domino effects of people wanting to be like, oh, damn, I want to book him because he's going to make a lit. Yo, he got the girls turned. It just opens up so many different doors with everything that I do. So it's like, you know, having a partner can really be another game changer on how successful your career can be. But my girl is so supportive of everything I do. And she'll hit me sometimes when she sees some shit that look like it's going a little too out of, out of pocket. <laughs> She'll text you some shit, and I have to, you know, gotta move her over, rub her towels or something. But no, she is by far one of the best um, supporters that I've had as a partner, you know. So no, it don't. It don't cause no friction at the crib. And you know, I interviewed Party at Four. That's my bro. Party is, is 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 family to the show. Like he's been on a couple of times. Ain't too many people can say that. Um and. I was asking him, you know, just, just what he learned being on the tour with y'all. And, you know, like y'all amazing as far as performing, um, just dope people. But what really stood out for him was your business acumen. What have you always is that that was that you from day one? Or is this something that, that you you kind of sprinkled into the game later on? Day one. I've been business first. So this is the this is the real team. I was a party promoter, an event coordinator, and a curator for events at my college in 2013. My first event I did was in 2011. Western Michigan, and, right? Yep, Western Michigan. Shout them out. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, shout out to the Broncos. That was my first event I did in 2011. So I've been in this business, I've been in entertainment for 13 years. You know what I'm saying? I've seen it all. I didn't have events that got shot up. I had events where People didn't got beat up. I didn't had events that didn't did sixty thousand dollars. I didn't had events where it's two, three thousand people. I didn't had you know. I didn't book every artist in Michigan. I didn't did everything under the sun. So I've learned so many different ways of how to conduct business. And what I did was there's one way that conduct business right, and that's just to stand on business. That's the number one. No matter how it goes, win, lose, or draw, pay your people. Make sure stuff is done on time. Make sure you commit to everything that you say. If you don't commit to it, or if you don't say it, then they can't, you know, they can't hold you accountable. Make right. sure you got contracts. Make sure you have insurance. Make, these are things that I learned in the last 13 years 
of how to run business and to conduct an event a proper way and learning from others. I've never been in a situation where I can't learn from others. I've been to so many other events and seen how theirs was operated, which gave me game. I'm gonna run my shit like this because if I run it like this with, with, with my people and how I do things, I'll make this much money or I'll make, I'll have a bigger impact this way. These are just things that I took from different individuals that I learned. Yeah. I think I've been to three different colleges, three different high schools, um, I'm in a fraternity. I'm just learning a lot from a bunch of different ple- uh, uh, places. So I built that. And then just not to, you know, I also got a degree in marketing. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you tie all that together. That's that's where it is. I love the business side so much because you got to respect me no matter what. Even if you don't like the music. The music can be subjective because yeah. it's, it's all preference. Some people don't like listening to R&B. You know, some people don't like the way my voice sounds. And that's cool. I'm not for everybody. When it comes to business, though, that's straight up black and white. Right is right, wrong is wrong. If we go conduct business, let's just make sure the business is done the right way it needs to be done. And I made it an absolute duty of mine to commit to everything that I promised people on these tours and on these shows as far as within reason. And I made sure I communicated because that's another thing. You can still accomplish a lot. Even if you don't win, even if mm-hmm. you, somebody invests with you and then y'all take a loss and they're not hearing it, as long as you're communicating, as long as you're finding ways to communicate with your people and your team, I think that goes a long way as well. Worst experience you've had with a, a, a promoter? Oh, a promoter is not getting paid. That's one of the worst. <laughs> not having the money. Um, because... Now, oh, you said worst experience I had as a promoter. You know what? Both. I take both. Okay. Oh, the worst I've had as a promoter is oh, the list is insane. I I have to give you three things because they're all different things. Stuff that is completely out of our control. Number one, um, not having a back end for an artist. You know, that's the worst experience that you could have. For me, that was one of the worst experiences because the show didn't do well. The artist mm-hmm. didn't do well. So it's like, we don't even have the back end because we ain't even made that much money. And then now we look bad because the artist is not going to perform. By the grace of God, the artist still performed. And we just worked out the numbers on the back end, like on our own. And I I, I, I literally figured out, I just start paying them in increments. Like it took me a couple months to pay these artists off, but they, they were cool with it because I, I communicated. Mm. That was the worst experience because it was like, it could have went bad. Now, let's go to this other one. I had um, an event. I booked artists, Halloween party. I'm talking about thousands of people outside. I'm, I'm about to get ready to make 50 racks, period. I'm already at, I'm already at 20, I'm already at 25,000 online. And then the door was at like 5,000. So I'm at 30K and we still got a thousand people outside. The security could not get the crowd under control outside to let them in which caused the doors to get, you know, like it, it caused the doors to get fucked up. And a nigga got mad because he couldn't get in the club. He goes to his car and he shoots in the air for no reason. Nobody hit him. He wasn't being attacked. Didn't do nothing. I booked the artist. Still had to pay the artist the back end. Artist showed up. Artist outside ready to come in. And we still was going to bring the artist here. I said, fuck it. We're going to still bring them in. Fuck it. Let's bring this thing in. Because if we bring them in, 
we'll be good. And we'll at least be like, hey, he was there. People can say what they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was that was the worst experience I had. Because what it did was it tarnished my brand bad, especially in that market. And that was that was one of my best markets. And it made people look at me like I was janky. And I had videos and footage of the artists with me. So I proved that he was there. And I was arguing with people left and right. I it was just bad, man. It was bad. It was so bad. I was so hurt because I had to refund so much money. And then I didn't refund a lot of it because I said, hell no, I'm not about to take an L because it's not my fault. We tell y'all to get in the straight line. This is the problem I have with black people. We show up to events and we all want to crowd the door. Instead of saying, hey, look, y'all over here, everybody over here on this side. Y'all got to go to the right. I don't care if you got a ticket. Get your ass to the right of the line. All right. Or nobody getting in. That's all you got to say. I don't want to see IDs. Everybody wrap around this corner. Line up right here. Line up. And that's what the security should have did. And they didn't. Yeah, but that's on me. Because I should have hired the right security to accommodate that type of crowd. But at that, like, I'm certain that that security, that wasn't the first uh, event that they'd done. That was the first event they had of that magnitude. Everybody said it. Oh, okay. They said, they said, you. no, they said, you hired 15 security guards and you had 2,000 people. I said, listen, I told y'all how this shit was about to go. All right? So y'all, y'all told me y'all can handle it. Most um, security, I think they do like 50 people per security. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I always felt like, shit, you need 25. 25 people per security. So every 100, you need full security. So then I damn near would have needed whew, damn near 30 security guards. Fucking around, 50 security guards to accommodate 2,000 people. But I think that would have been vital. You pay 50, 50 security guards um, $25 an hour for four hours, they go $100. That's five racks. Yeah. But that's still straight, though, because... Especially if you got, you're making 50. If I make 50, I don't care, yeah. If yeah, you help you me get all these people in, let's do it. Yeah. And, and, and everybody have a good time and go home, you know, safely. Bar is lit. The the club owner is happy. happy Artist is, ha- is happy. Everybody goes home with a bag and a smile. Yeah. Oh, and we could have we could have killed them on the bottles. We could have sold bottles. We was, I was gonna do that. I was like, we gonna we gonna grab twenty bottles, and when we grab the twenty bottles, we gonna sell these bitches for two fifty a pop. So we would have made bread because niggas was gonna buy a bottle. You wanna buy a bottle? How much? They two fifty. Cash out, cash. Listen, bro, that was gonna be the biggest party in my career. My biggest concert was sixty two thousand. Really? Where was that? At? Yeah. I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I was in Western. Most of my biggest stuff happened in Kalamazoo. Not gonna lie. That they Halloween got a party, they got a venue for sixty thousand in K Zoo. No, it was that's how much. Um, oh 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 oh, I mean. oh okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like shit, nigga. That's that that's Kalamazoo's uh <laughs> population. Like, no, actually, Kalamazoo is a big city though. Not big city. It's it's the it's one of the the, the largest cities on the uh, on the west side of Michigan. Um, because you know they they account for like a lot of markets. They a lot of markets run through Kalamazoo. It is the biggest of all the markets over there. Yeah, I'd have been up to Western, you know, in my heyday <laughs> for, for a party or two, you know, so I know how I get down up there. All right, yeah. man, so first, uh, uh, how many albums have you put out? I don't like to call them albums. I, I would say like little EPs, projects. I'm probably like six in, maybe. My very first one, I believe, was uh, Just a Little Arrogance. That was just like some little, this was in like my little mixtape era days, Just a Little mm-hmm. Arrogance. Um, the Nick Lavelle experience. I dropped that. Um, I just dropped uh, 
I'm not toxic. I dropped Bay Friend. Yep, so I have Bay Friend. I'm not toxic. Just a little arrogance. The Nick Lavelle experience. And yeah, that's it. I'm working on some more stuff right now. I'm I'm really curating the singles right now. I'm just building the singles up. Which one was the one where you were like, okay, you know what? We good. Um, the most recent one, uh, I'm not toxic. I had three major features on it and, and the production was better. I feel like I'm growing as an artist. My music from the past is not gonna sound like the music now just because my voice has developed. I kind of got into my lane. I kind of found my lane as far as the music and the in the in the, the vocal ability where I want to be at. I got my tone. Um, I've been working with different writers now. Sometimes you have to go get that other perspective, you know, especially on the music, just so you can, some people can, I can tell somebody, describe what I want to sing about and they can put it into words for me. Mm-hmm. And, and we, I'm still part of the process because it's my thoughts, but they're putting it on wax and then I still have to sing it and execute it. So, you know, I love that about the whole creative process of writing music and doing music. Where did Howell come from? Woo, I love that. Um, Howell honestly came from just me, me, being promiscuous, you know what I'm saying, in my, in my, in my early days. And people will tell you about me. I've always been a rebel. I've always been an individual that stands in my truth. I've been unapologetic, uh, unapologetically correct, um, or unapologetic. And I, I always stood on my principles, not necessarily saying like, I'm stuck on my ways, but it's like, Hey, one thing about Nick is he going to tell you how you feel. And he don't care if everybody agrees with it. Like, I'll give you my perspective, mm-hmm. and I don't care if it's the popular opinion or not. I'm just telling you how I feel. And people may all look at it and be like, oh, I don't agree with that. That's cool. I'll stand over here by myself with my back against the wall and while it's a thousand other people I'm looking at if I feel that strong about something. You know what I mean? And I think that's what Howell really embodies, you know, being um, relentless and, and fearless and brave and, and, and living into that. Because when you think about whole well, well, all right, fuck it. All right, oh well, I did it. It is what it is. Okay, what's next? That's that's the mindset behind whole well. Like that's the, the energy that it gives. Just like, yeah, confidence. Yeah, oh well, nigga, I made it happen. Fuck it. Nobody helped me. I did it on my own. Yo, and I you know what? That's just just such a uh underrated value is the never giving up. And niggas just, you know, people, people are like, oh, it's an overnight success. No, it's not. No, hell no. I know once I get that song or whatever, whatever happens, whatever God got for me, people going to be like, oh, he been grinding. He, oh, he been, he been doing this thing. He been popping this shit. They going to say that for sure. You don't think Wi-Fi is it? Ain't it? Oh, wait till you hear the next shit. <laughs> we going over right now. We work, look, we trying to get everything together right now as we speak. And listen. Wi-Fi may be it, but I'm not waiting around to, like, I'm putting that shit out. Let's get it. Because you got to keep attacking. You put out four bangers, it's over with. Because now you have a catalog. Something's going to catch. And that's my concept. I put out four records between now and June. And what's going to happen for me is people are going to be like, damn, he got some shit. <laughs> now you like, oh, he got he got four songs. That's straight. Because I'm gonna take those four songs. I'm going around the country. I'm going to tour. Okay, so when you when you picking it, you you picking which song you want to put out. Like what goes into that? What is what's your thought process? Just um 
I created a lot of music. And what I don't like to do is I don't like to keep creating records when I already got records. I hate it. A lot of people be like, why does he keep making music? No, I don't got time for that. It's just too time consuming. I, I got enough songs. Let's put out these good ass records. All right. One of these records will be good. So what I'm doing now is I'm leveraging my songs. I'm, I'm, I'm leveraging everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing like a relation. I'm not relationship. I'm leveraging my music in a certain way. Like I'm putting it out a certain way based on like the vibes. Um, what I feel is going to be coming that, within that that timing. Like, oh, let me put this out. I think this is gonna be next. this is gonna be a pop and this is gonna bang. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, that's kind of how I do it. Like for me, like Bay Friend. Uh, like I was, I was tapping into that today, man. Underrated though, underrated shit, underrated records. Oh, oh my god! And it's, it's it's crazy because it's like I just really hope that when these these next three or four records that I'm about to get ready to drop within the next couple months, they pick up so much steam that people do get to going back and like, oh wait a minute, I like this because everything is all about awareness and visibility. The fact that I know that. I got fans all over the world and they like, all, I don't have specific records that do well. I have sometimes it's sporadic. Sometimes this record is doing good. Sometimes this mm-hmm. record, this week, this record. But that's, that, 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 to me, that shows versatility. That shows that you have a, a, a good catalog because that means that they like these songs. They like a lot of records. You know, oh, I like these songs. He got, oh, he got some shit, got some shit. And then when I hear people repost records, sometimes it's different records. Obviously, everybody posting the Jacquees shit because it's the most recent. But I'll get a couple of other records sprinkled in there. People, are like, oh, this is my shit. Oh, I remember this song. Oh, this is that classic Nick Lavelle. You know, the fact that somebody consider anything that I do a classic, that's already that's you know you got dope. a band, you got fans. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Me for me, uh, and I had to, I had to make sure I got it right. Pipe you up. This is like nigga. I'm so hard. I'm so hurt about that. So I actually, I, why I you don't re-release that shit? Huh? Why you don't re-release that? I don't. That's know. what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna re-release it. Yeah, nigga, that's 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 one of the ones, bro. No, that, that is. It, it actually got picked up though. That's the only the only thing about it is it got picked up with um it got picked up, but that don't mean nothing because I'm gonna do. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna re-release it. That's crazy that you said that. I'm gonna re-release it for sure. That's one of the ones. Are you right? That is one of the ones. And, and, and what about um, placement in movies? It's that song in particular is in, is in uh uh Tyler Perry's All the Queen's Men. It's on the season, it's on season two, episode 10. That's crazy. Like that song is the first song I ever got a placement for. Goes to show, you feel me? Yeah, that, that placement money is good money. Oh hell no, I ain't get no money like that now. I ain't gonna move. It, it, it could be, it could, but I yeah, think maybe it could because be. it, it it was um I had two writers on it. Mm-hmm. And the producers. Okay. Two producers and two writers. So once you start breaking that shit down, it's like, Ugh. yeah, that's a different that's a different pie right there. So you you, you get on the uh you did the tour with Jaquees. From yeah. from all accounts, that shit was phenomenal. Uh the world loves it. Then you hit uh you get a chance to do something for uh All Star Weekend this past weekend. What was that like? All Star was terrible. I'll tell you this. I just I was just finishing up my YouTube video. I'm dropping mine tonight. But I'm so sick of them picking these markets that don't care. You know what I mean? Like, when we come to your city, we want to be able to come to your city and we want to be able to feel like, all right, 
No one's already come here. No one's coming to Indianapolis. All right. And I don't mean no disrespect because I, I, I rock with the nap. But everybody I know that's popping in the nap is moving away from it. You take away nightlife. So people don't have nowhere to go. And I get it. They say, oh, everybody be shooting everything up. But then that means get y'all police together then. All right. Get y'all get y'all people together. But at the end of the day, it's like it was just it was shutting stuff down left and right. And I'm talking about major A-list and B-list celebrities was hosting these events and they're shutting them down. Talking about their overcapacity. But why? I don't know. It just it'd be frustrating because, you know, I'm so spoiled being from Detroit and knowing we have a major nightlife and then going to Atlanta where they're top five and not like <laughs> top three down there. And then I come to these other cities. Utah, Salt Lake City last year. Terrible. This year, oh, okay. Indianapolis. You, like you, I, Utah, I don't know who decided on that one. Yeah, okay, I get that. That's what, yeah, they, but they Indianapolis least, was that yeah. bad? It was bad. It was bad because it was just like, it was really, I don't know. It just seemed like everything was thrown at, at halls and event centers. They don't have any clubs. They don't have any lounges. It's all like low. It was, I don't know, bro. It was just like you... I can't even describe it. It sounds like Cleveland. Like Cleveland don't have so that many like nightclubs. I went, I went to Cleveland for All-Star Weekend. Cleveland got a nightlife though. Cleveland got about 10 clubs. They got about 10 events, centers, or in clubs. Like when I went to All-Star Weekend in Cleveland, that shit was next level. Really? Yeah, it felt good. I liked that one. I had liked Cleveland because we had, had All-Star Weekend in Atlanta the year before during mm. COVID. But uh, yeah, man, Cleveland was a man. Cleveland was I gotta give Cleveland their credit. Cleveland was lit for All Star Weekend uh, two years ago, cause I remember getting in real late, and I ended up going to uh, one of my frat brothers owned a club out there. So we went pulled up to his his event. It was packed, but it was a club though. They had sections, bottles. It was it was a vibe. It made me feel like I was in Atlanta. Then um, the the guy that you know this nigga he owned he owned this club called Medusa. He crispy as hell. I, I be forget his name, but I know people be saying that he reminds them of me, just how he dress, how he move and stuff. But I always, I never got a chance to meet him, but mm -hmm. I heard about him. Dope dude. Um, and he owns a club in, in Cleveland called Medusa. And he had that shit going up. I just be so hyped, especially when I see black ownership, for sure. But um, just the fact that it, it was really great clubs and a lot of good events that was going on in Cleveland. And, you know, Cleveland only two and a half hours from the city. So I was, I, like, I was straight, though. You know what I'm saying? Everybody from Detroit was down there. It was a vibe. I've been living here. I, I live in Cleveland now. I've been here about 20 years, 20 plus. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I love Cleveland. So, wait, you wasn't there then all that weekend? I'm old, bro. I'm, I looking, like at my, I'm look, looking at my eyelids. You say little, what? Oh, you just a little season. And you know what? I got to stop saying that, too, man. I was reading something the other day, you know, about the power of the tongue as far as uh, speaking on your own life. And even though I'd be just fucking with, with people, I, I need to I'd be need to be more conscious about how I I I say shit shit about myself. So no, I I I, I partied. I went to Freak Nick twice, and I tell people this all the time. The real Freak Nick, not that other really? shit that they tried to put out. But after that, man, like going to a club or a party was just it wasn't the same. It's not even close. So, you know, I party, I did all my partying in my twenties, you know, went everywhere. So now it's like, you know, like like uh like if your boy, whoever you you know owned the club and it was like come through, okay, I come out there for about an hour, have a couple of drinks, you know, check out the scene and go home. 
if it ain't a business move, eh, you know, like I, I heard that some of the restaurants here was kind of lit, but I didn't know that the, the nightlife was, uh, you know, lit like that for the yeah, All-Star Cleveland Weekend. Got, <coughs> Cleveland, Columbus, y'all got some nightlife. Y'all got some good nightlife out there in them cities. Cincinnati. You going, you going to the crib for uh, the, the draft this year? No. Everybody's <laughs> talking about that, but the draft is not like that. See, everybody, I don't think the draft is like that. I think it's going to be like that. I've been hearing but I'm saying, what is it supposed to do? Like, it's just the NFL draft. What is they? What is the celebration? I mean, who cares well, what they celebrate? And it's gonna be a lot of celebrities in in, in the city, and it's a lot of people putting together parties. Mm, maybe I need to get in. I, it, I, yo, if you can, bro, I think I think this motherfucker. I think it's gonna be lit. It's just my two cents. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, what's the next tour? I don't know, dude. I'm I'm working on so much other stuff right now. Um, I'm working on some festivals because that's one thing that I haven't done yet. Okay. I want to go ahead and challenge myself. Festivals. Um, and I'm aiming for like the goal is to tour by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Solo tour, the Nick LaBelle Experience tour. That's what I want to do. Um, in order to get there, I got I got to keep building this fan base up. So, me and my team we're coming up with uh plays and concepts every day to try to figure some shit out. You know what I mean? Who's on your team? So I, it's, it, it's a, I got different departments. I got the marketing side. That's the group I deal with when it comes to coming up with strategies for promoting the music and stuff like that. I got my core guys, uh, security, um, my, um, couple of my, I would say like they're, they're my, they're my friends for sure. But they, they all kind of, like, got different roles in their own way. Like, they help with navigating shows and tours. Mm. They, uh, when I have events, they come and help put them together. Um, and when I do, it's just a lot of stuff. Everybody play different roles in that. Then I have my lawyer. She goes over all of my, obviously, my, my legal stuff when it comes to the music and making sure all my, my business is in order and giving me updates on, you know, things that I should potentially explore. Um, something, and then I just have a bunch of isolated conversations with different individuals that's part of different companies, you know, different labels and different people with different companies. I just, you know, have different conversations with them. Okay. Um, geez, that's a lot of moving parts, bro. Like, I, it, it amazes me, you know, when you talk to people on a certain level of all the shit that they're able to juggle effortlessly or or it seems effortlessly i'll say that oh but it ain't <laughs> <laughs> hell no this should take this should take more than effort blood sweat and tears oh so what's what's been okay you know how you you you, you set goals for yourself accomplish this goal you keep it moving what's been what, what's been the biggest goal for yourself that you've accomplished so far and the biggest one that you've yet to accomplish well, putting my own tour together um, and curating a full tour with an artist, that was a big goal of mine that I accomplished. I think that was the biggest goal or the biggest accomplishment. Um, and getting a major feature with an artist, that was a big one. That was one of my goals. I wanted a major feature record because I wanted to see what what it do for me. Like, what it, what would it do? Um, now, um, right now, I, I want to explore this festival game and mm-hmm. I want to chart. I want to chart 
I want um, I want to build my fan base up. These are the goals that I have now that I'm setting. I want to be able to do my own tour. Like I want to be able to go on a tour by myself and bring artists with me that that where I'm the headliner and I could do two, three hundred people. That's what a goal that I want to do. Like, that's what I, if God can allow me to do that, that would be the biggest goal for me within my, if I can accomplish that within the next six, six to eight months, that's what I would love. Like that would be like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Because once you can tour once and you see what your, your fan base looking like, now we turn up. Now we turn up because that means that I got fans. Now we can tour every six months. That's the goal. Tour every six to eight months. That's if you tour every six to eight months and you put your own tours together, you route your own tours, you put your team together, you just keep elevating because there's going to be another record that's going to catch fire. There's going to be another um, uh, project that people like and you drop a project every six months. Now you dominate on the streaming side. Then you dominate on touring and you sell merch and you just keep beating. You keep feeding your fan base and that that two, three hundred will eventually grow into four five hundred the next tour and then the, the next tour after that that four five hundred grow into six seven hundred or through a thousand and now you're doing thousand seater arenas i mean venues and you selling out and i'm i'm like you can make fifty thousand dollars off you can make sixty seven thousand off a thousand seater really yeah yeah so when yeah. you do it from that perspective it's like damn i can make i can damn near make i do 20 shows and i do 50 and i make fifty thousand at each show that's a million dollars. That is. And you're only touring for two months. So you make a million dollars in two months. It takes you four months to plan the tour. So you got two months of promotion for the tour or two and a half months. I say three months to, pro to plan it. Mm -hmm. You need a month to route it. Cause it's like, you need, I say, yeah, it probably, I say it take about six months to plan. Because if you, if you're, if I'm going on tour by myself, then I'm okay. just routing the tour. I don't have to pay anybody. I just assemble my team. You know, you go get your sponsors. Now, now, when you say routed, what do you mean? Figuring out the route of the tour, like how you're going to, where you're going to start, where you're going to finish. Okay, got and Making sure what cities are you going to hit in alignment with that. Okay. You know, okay, I'm going to do a video you. about this, like how to tour as an artist and what things you need to consider when you're touring. And you know what? I don't think, I don't, I've never seen anything like that, to be quite honest. Now, I'm not looking to put no tour together, but <laughs> I don't think, I think that's, uh, especially for my generation and to, to your generation, there was not enough of that being passed down. Oh yeah, it's not, it's not even now. The reason I know what I know is because of experience. That's exactly what it is. Like if artists knew what they knew, that's the thing, it's scary though, because some artists, they can't do it. Some artists really don't know. They're literally in a situation where it's like, they get paid to perform, they know what their rates are. Whether that show sells out or not, they don't give a fuck, they get paid. But I always tell them this, you put the show together and you do everything that I have to do. Pay a venue. And I want you to do an imaginary allocation for yourself. So you charge 40000 for a show, put that 40000 in an account. All right? Take it, deduct it out your bank and give it to somebody. Because treat it as if this is what you, you had to do this for yourself. That way, if your show doesn't make that, if you don't make your money back, then oh well. And that's, that's where... You as an artist have to realize, maybe I'm not worth forty thousand, because mm -hmm. you as an artist put up forty thousand, booked a venue, promoted your own self, and you didn't even bring out forty thousand dollars worth of uh, ticket sales, but you're charging niggas forty thousand dollars for a show, and you can't even bring in forty thousand, and you're promoting your shit. Mm. 
that's the game changer right there. But they won't do that. Because why? Uh, they don't. As long as people keep paying the 40, fuck it. Because if this, if this promoter, a lot of times promoters, they don't win on the show. They won't question if the artist was good or not. They'll question themselves and be like, damn, maybe I didn't do this. I didn't do that. No. You could do everything you have in your power. You could promote it. And the artist just doesn't sell. And that oh. shit is a tough spot, boy. Man, and, and then like that's gotta be a humbling ass experience too. Is you've been charging 40 bags for a show, and then three months later, you you know, they, they look, bro, we only gonna give you 10. But it's not, it, it, it ain't it's it's still it ain't it can't be humbling because it's like you did it. Like artists that go a year without putting out music, or they they they're in the blogs for all negative reason, or they're not um, you know, they're not putting out records or even a single and, and they're not even staying relevant in the media or on the blogs so it's kind of like you're out of sight out of mind and then you don't create these you don't create these relationships you don't do songs with other people i just be feeling like if you don't have no brand partnerships i think the way that people can stay relevant is you got to do things you got to you got to get you a good pr and a good team that keeps you in the blogs in, in a positive light the thing about it is they're going to pick up the negative shit anyway. Facts. You got to spend extra money to stay in the blogs on the positive side. Oh, Nick Lavelle just did a free show and they did a, you know, kids got toys and all that. I paid for that. I paid for them to post that. Because now everybody like, oh, that's what's up. Damn, he did that. But then wait, 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 wait. hold on. Niggas paying for shit like that? Nobody ever fucking paid me. I'm doing something wrong. No, that's what I'm saying. People pay. Like, like I'm giving you an example. Like you're no no no. I'm saying I will do an event mm. and then I'll pay the blogs to post the event to bring notoriety to me as an artist in a positive light. Because what people don't realize is you're always gonna be in the blogs for negative shit. Like they're gonna like like not always, but they're gonna always pick the negative shit up. Facts. If it, if it gets big enough, the negative shit getting picked up. But that's why you need balance. If the if if people is always talking about you negatively in the media, in the blogs, it kind of hurts your brand. But if you got a balance where it's like, oh, he did this, he gave this away, he donated this to the scholarships, oh, he did this, now it looks good. Now people like you. <laughs> now you seem normal. Yeah, now now you seem normal. Yeah. Because it's like, all right, know. cool. At least you get ahead of the curve. Yo, uh, so you got you got merch, right, for the whole whale? Yep, yep, yep. Where, where, where can I cop a hoodie at? Okay, so I'm still getting that stuff situated i'm gonna personally uh give you a hoodie just on the house and i'll sign it and i'll get it out to you just for the you know just my 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 token of appreciation for you you know bringing me on your platform um and then anything after that you can just look out you know what i'm saying and i'll work something out with you if you want to get any additional stuff because i have a whole new drop a whole new shipment of uh different designs and all that good stuff that i think you'll you'll, you'll like and you know some for the for the kids, like not kids, but you know, for your girl or anybody. <laughs> but we do have the we got the the whole world juniors, <laughs> whole world for tots, so, uh, little toddlers, little toddlers. So, uh, oh. <laughs> whole hey, world for tots. So, somebody you know, gonna you know somebody gonna see that and use that shit, bro. Oh yeah, all day. Yeah, but yeah, I got you. Uh, right now the site is still underway. Um, right now everybody's going through my nicklavellemusic.com site just to get. Uh, you know, tapped in with certain stuff, but I, I'll have it. I do have Nick. I do have a, like whole well uh, t-shirts. 
right now. So I could definitely get you one of those out, and then um, you can go ahead and tag me when you get it and go from there. When you going back to the crib, bro? I'm on the way right now, baby. We're driving. I actually pulled over. We just left the nap. We're over here in um, we over in Louisville right now. So I pulled over to do this interview, and we about to hop back on the road. Oh shit! When you, how long are you gonna be there? No, I'm driving back. I'm going back to the A. Oh, I'm talking about Detroit, bro. Oh man, I ain't going to Detroit no time soon. Actually, I'm thinking. I am going to Detroit. I am doing. I'm. I'm. I'm talking. I'm. I'm seeing what they're doing for um, three one three days, three one three day or weekend, so I can see how that's going. I'm trying to pop through there, and then um, I'm going to. I got a big ass R and B fest I'm doing in April, so I'm about to turn up. It's about to be a movie. Yeah, cause I'm, I'm gonna have to uh, drive up there and holler. Matter of fact, I'm going up there this weekend for uh, for Savior's Day. I'm looking forward to that too. For what day? Savior's Day. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's this that's this weekend. Shout out to my, my people in the Nation of Islam. Uh, they having Savior's Day uh, the 23rd to the 25th, so that should be pretty. Oh, yeah, fine. shout out to y'all, man. Shout out to them. Yeah. Um. It, anything you want to say before we dip up out of here? And I, I yo, I can't, I can't possibly thank you enough, nigga, for pulling over and shit. That's fucking dope. <laughs> this. Hey, listen, man. I love this so much. This is what I sign up for. So you, you, you give people your word. That's all you got. You don't know. Me. Well, y'all know me now, but at the end of the day, shit, we not contractual bonded. So I, I, I'm doing what I told you I was gonna do, and I'm standing on business. On top of that, I'm just appreciative for people to even reach out to me to bring me on their platforms. I don't know who's watching your stuff, but I've seen you interview some very, very prevalent individuals. So I'm like, shit, I'm going to definitely step in the game because as I become a bigger artist, I want to come back and I want us to grow together. You know what I mean? So that's big. Nigga, come, like you, you are, you up next, bro. I, uh, I, I, I get, I get the humble shit. I get it. Yeah. Uh, nigga, you doing your thing out here, bro. Like, like let's 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 be honest about that. Um, yeah, and definitely like, hit me with the new shit. I'm 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 definitely trying to hear this shit, bro. Yeah, I got you. Oh yeah, so you're gonna be like, oh shit. All right, I got you. But look, make sure anybody that is tapped in, make sure I follow me on all social media platforms at it's Nick Lavelle One. Um, you know, download the new single Wi-Fi featuring Jaquees. The new video is out as well. Make sure you stream. It, it don't cost you anything. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't ask you to buy anything. Just just stream it if you already got the platforms. Um, and, you know, look out. I got a new movie coming out, too, called um, Homecoming. So, you know, I'm in my acting bag. And uh, I'm just, I'm taking I'm taking this shit by storm. I ain't going to care. That's, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because that was one thing I did mean to ask that I was about to leave on the table. Yo, when is that dropping? I believe they said uh, the preview should be dropping, like, next month. I think they're aiming for April or March. I mean, April, May. Okay. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Anything I can possibly do for you, bro, um, let me know. And I got you. Um, you when you're throwing something out there, you need, let me know. Tag me in it. Uh, make me a collaborator. Whatever you need to do, bro. I got no problem helping you out because I truly, truly, truly appreciate you being here today. Got you, man. It's on, bro. Thank you so much for having me, too, man. You be safe. No doubt, man. Have a good one. I'll holler at All you. Right. Okay. All right, peace. Yeah. Yo, it's fucking Nick Lavelle in the building. Come on, man. I be trying to tell y'all, man, but it's, it's it, it like I say, redundancy at its finest. All right, so Thursday, uh, we got a uh, smart guy coming on. Um, yeah, 
if you ain't heard of him. Once you see him, you know who he is. Uh, and then we got the brothers, uh, the O'Quinn brothers. Come on, man. Detroit's finest in the building. Um, boxing, art, music, whatever you need. Come on, man. We all over the place, man. And, and we, we doing it with integrity. You feel me? Uh, anyway, it's your talent that gets you on the show, man. And it's your story that makes you stand out. This is Jobs. This has been another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the YouTube channel. Hit us up on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Apple, whatever. It, all your streaming networks, man. It'll be on there. I'll holler at you. Another shout out and appreciation to Nick LaBelle. We out.